0: And we're back with another exciting episode of Old Fashioned Work and Whiskey. A podcast discussing fine spirits and fine work ethics. My name's Jason. I'm the host here. Excited to be with you. And as always, our engineer and co-host, Mr. Olin
1: Hyde. I'm excited about our bourbon today.
0: I am too, man. It's a, it's a good one. Some Knob Creek.
1: Yes, yeah, single barrel smoked maple
0: smoked maple so it's going to be a little bit sweeter we're prepared for this
1: Um, much more than we were for the bsb 103
0: for sure definitely more prepared and we've got some great garnishments in in this one today
1: we did we we, uh went with the recommendation from knob creek today for the recipe instead of trying to do just a traditional old-fashioned like we did with the bsb today we went with their knob creek uh smoked maple for the old-fashioned so it's Got the Knob Creek Smoked Maple Bourbon. We made some brown sugar simple syrup to put in it. We used three dashes of orange bitters garnished with an orange peel and one strip of candy bacon. And we went a little step further
0: we didn't we, have enough candy. We need to add a little more candy. We uh,
1: threw some candied pecans in there in the bottom, just to add a little more earthy and sweet all at the same time.
0: Yeah. So Simon, one of the partners here, is uh, he is all about cooking, and he did us a favor and made us our own smoked or our own candied, candied bacon, bacon, and yeah. brought in some
1: uh, some of the candied. So it's kind of, it's not just a drink, this one. It's almost like a, meal. a snack and a drink at the same time. <laughs>
0: you can't go wrong with. All right, yeah. I've been waiting. Olin likes to sample his before the show. I like to wait and get the initial reaction on air.
1: Yeah, while he's, you know, swirling it around and taking a sip, uh, I did take a drink beforehand. As any good bartender, you you sample the drinks to make sure that they're not crap before you send them out. And uh, so we were mixing this all up and had no idea what it was going to taste like so i sampled mine a little bit ahead of time and it's definitely sweet but it's well balanced with the bourbon like you can still get the the warmth of the bourbon that comes through it and uh he's he's currently sampling the candied bacon at the moment so he can't quite talk <laughs> i don't know
0: whether i like the bacon or the bourbon more <laughs>
1: <laughs> well when you pull the bacon out of the bourbon it's hard to to make a decision can we start a bacon podcast so we can sample bacons (laughs) from around the country Ooh, that would be like (laughs) duck bacon
0: and (laughs) you dig into the bacon (laughs) yourself (laughs) so yeah this is it's really it is sweet so if you're gonna try this we'll post the recipe on the
1: yeah we'll have that on on the facebook Facebook page today you can go look at it
0: yeah and then also you know we'll post a couple of pictures of what ours look like how they turned out and then uh you know it's it's good it's smooth uh i feel like it's better <laughs> careful there sir you're enjoying that a little too much
1: it's really good <laughs> the bacon is i mean it's, like you said we could just eat the bacon yeah. we don't need the bourbon today
0: so it, you know it is good it's smooth it is sweet so be prepared for that it'd be be a nice pairing maybe for a dessert i probably wouldn't enjoy it with a meal because it's got a little too many
1: i don't know this could probably be a uh sit down and drink this in the morning with your your pancakes on vacation little smoked maple
0: diabetes
1: little smoked maple old-fashioned with your pancake in the morning and bacon in it
0: uh, does that make you an alcoholic or a foodie yep <laughs> <laughs> so it's 90 proof so it's it's you know it's not too strong but it does have a great flavor to it like i said uh, a lot of maple here in this but it's it's delicious so highly recommend the uh knob creep smoked maple old-fashioned so yeah so let's talk about some work ethic and this one's not as much work ethic as it is work politics or work <laughs> environment
1: no there's it's there's a uh, I know you're trying to use a different word because it's become kind of uh pop culture in the business world to talk about this particular word
0: yeah so it's we're going to talk about the culture in your office and the first thing that i want to make clear is culture it can
1: happen by accident but that's not normally well the culture you want you can have an accidental culture Like your your organization has a culture, whether whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. So it could be one that you don't want, and it could happen by accident. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or it could be one that you craft and you're intentional about creating in your company.
0: Yeah, and that's what we want to start with today is is being intentional in the culture that you create. So we here at Office Pride of Pensacola, Courtney Pride specifically, is our entity. We have been very intentional with the culture we create. I, as the CEO, it is my burden, my responsibility to drive that down. Now, I often ask for help um, from you, from our team, because it's a it's a big task and one that if you mess up, once again, you have culture one mm-hmm. way or the other. It may not be the one you want, but you have
1: it. Exactly. And we don't want to have the wrong culture. I would agree with that, and we've worked... Very hard. We have been very intentional in the way that we've tried to create our culture here. And we've not always been great at it. And it's just like almost anything else in business. Like it's easy to charge out there and create a message around culture in our company and really drive that home and then be like, oh, we've got it. And then rest on your laurels. The next thing you know, your culture starts to drift.
0: Absolutely. You know, we, we have a very specific set of core values established by corporate we've picked out. So I think, is there eight, seven, there's eight total. Yeah. Used to be seven. Then they added one. Now there's eight. So we've really picked out four that we identify with and we feel is pertinent to driving down. And by driving those down, we'll accomplish the other four. But these four really set the pace. And then our mission statement, which is honoring God by positively impacting people and workplaces.
1: And that one, I think we've driven home. We've hammered yeah. on that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so by by taking those mission statements and core values and living them out, like it's defined who our culture is. I am not perfect. I make mistakes every day. I am passive aggressive. I am afraid of confrontation. There are many things that I need to do better. But one of the things that I've always tried to do is serve others. And I feel like by showing that, by living that out, we, we generate that culture in the office, right? It's we don't have a bunch of people running around saying, hey, what about me? Where's mine? When am I getting mine? Yeah. It's, hey, this person's taken care of or this person gets taken care of. We're serving others.
1: And we and that's intentional. And we cultivate it, like I said, because it, it's not a, hey, we're going to go out and, um, and I'll use that word as everybody has heard on the previous uh, episode, like I'm a horticulturalist. So cultivation is not something you do once it's not like hey we're going to go into somebody's flower bed and rip everything out and do a whole bunch of new plants and then we're done forever like cultivating is going out and watering and fertilizing and pulling the weeds and making sure that you continue to create an environment for your plants to thrive in and it's the same thing with culture in your your organization it's not a one-time campaign that a leader can do or a ceo can do to set the tone for culture that's not enough they have to pull the weeds. They have to water. They have to fertilize it. They have to tend to it. Otherwise it will, it will not do well. Just like a flower bed, it can become overgrown with weeds. Or if it's not watered enough, the plants can wither up and die. Or if you don't fertilize it, then they don't reach their full potential. So it really is cultivating your organization and making sure that it's, it's an ongoing project that you can't neglect.
0: So if anybody out here knows me, they know I am not a big reader. I have not ever been a big reader. I struggle with spelling. I spelled our, our name wrong just before the show started. I'm I'm not in big and big on it, but I understand as a leader, it's my responsibility to read. And so, I just finished a book called "The Go Giver," and it's a it's a parable which I've actually found that I really enjoy business parables. It's a very specific genre, but I really enjoy business parables. And this uh this is a book by Bob Berg, and it talks about the five laws of success, essentially, and the power of giving. And reading this, I was like, you know what? This is me in a nutshell. This is what I want to be. This is what I strive to be every day. This is who I am and this is who I fail to be. But by recognizing that and working on that, everyone in the office around me gets to see that, right? And we talked. I think we talked about it the other day. You know what? What gets talked about gets executed,
1: Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And and that brings us to our next big point, which is uh, culture has to be demonstrated from the top down. It uh, you know not only you have to be intentional, you have to cultivate it, but. You have to demonstrate it as the CEO and then it trickles down. And this is part of that conversation we've had where you were like, you know, whenever I say something's important and I start acting on it, and I notice like all of a sudden, everyone else in the company starts doing it.
0: So I've been listening I listen to podcasts pretty regularly on my thirty minute drive to work, and I've been a big fan, and I've talked about him on here before, Patrick Lincioni. He has the the podcast at the table with Patrick Lincioni. And I guess probably a month, maybe a month and a half ago, I listened to one. And actually, you guys were in the car with me yeah. when we listened to it. And it was a big J, little J jerk. And I don't know that I've heard a phrase used more in the office over the last
1: month and a half than it really did resonate J J with jerk. the leadership team. Uh, and you're right. It's become part of our vocabulary here of, hey, you're being a big J jerk or are you being a little J jerk or it's a, it's more of a gut check now of, um, uh, how we are interacting not only with each other, but with customers and, and employees. And you want to explain the difference between big J jerk and little J jerk. So
0: I'll, I'll touch briefly on it, but we may do another podcast just about this topic. Cause it was so, uh, it was so influential for all of us, but a big J jerk is you're just being an ass cause you can. And a little J jerk is you having a hard conversation with someone to improve their performance or to improve a situation.
1: It's a tough conversation, but with the right demeanor, like in yeah. the right meaning behind it. Yeah. Big J jerk is I'm, I'm just good. Yeah, I'm going to throw a dart at you just because I want to hurt you. That's
0: right. It doesn't benefit anybody. The little J jerk does, and so we we try to encourage each other to have those little J
1: conversations.
0: And typically, the big J conversations come from failure to have the little j conversation Yeah,
1: frustration around failure to meet accountabilities or lack of concern for others uh and in that frustration that builds up there
0: and and so i'm going through I, I try to learn good leaders learn always they don't stop so i signed up uh they had a a discount for john maxwell's leadership and i'm currently going through his leadership And I think you had a a note about John Maxwell and his leadership.
1: I did. He has a quote, um, not necessarily specific to culture, but as part of a broader topic when he talks about culture in an organization. And he says that leadership is more caught than taught, right? People do what people see. And so if you want a culture that represents a specific thing, like for example, one of our core values is always do what is right. And it's easy for leaders at the top to not always do what's right. And when you demonstrate that right, when it's people, you know, see us live that out as the, the leadership, then they begin to model that in their actions. And we've had a lot of opportunities as a cleaning company to model always do what is right. And um, one of those particularly is by pure mistake, we overbuild a customer. And they didn't know. <laughs> Folks, when I tell you we overbuild a customer, <laughs> like
0: I don't want you to get the idea of three dollars and sixty three cents. We're we're talking a hundred and eighty thousand dollars over the course of three months that we overbuild this customer they paid and didn't catch. And and we didn't
1: initially either. And
0: <laughs> Well, so as the CFO, so I'm CEO and CFO, I review the books every month. You know, I do our PNLs and
1: we were extremely profitable. I'm like,
0: I know we're profitable, but gee, Willikers Batman, we're like super profitable. What is going on? Like we're we're almost double what we normally are. What's going on? And and Matt, our director of operations, and I started diving in, and our hearts sank.
1: We were nervous, <laughs> right? Because then we're we're at a crossroads as a leadership team, and, and uh, particularly with our core value of always do what's right. Because we've got this money that we've overbilled but they haven't noticed. So a company has the decision, right? Do we do what's right and go back to them and say, hey, we made a billing error and we've overbilled you or do we just keep it quiet and keep the money?
0: And that's where I'm grateful because it was not a crossroads for me. There was no question asked. We were returning that money. The only concern for me was how are they going to (laughs) respond, right? Were we going to have to go back and audit the previous five years? Are they pissed off and, Hey, we're not going to do business with you anymore. Like that was the concern. Not, it never, ever crossed my mind. Should we keep the money? Right. And I'm grateful for that. That's, that's due to my upbringing with great parents and being brought up in church and, and instilled those. Right. So we talk about when you're hiring someone, core values can't be taught like they have to be instilled in you and, and, and nurtured like those, those things
1: just can't be like, Oh, this is how you should handle this situation. But here we are in that situation and we, as the company have to act on that. And like you said, there was no question. We went to the customer and said, Hey, we, we caught an error we made. We've overbilled you. So we brought this to them. Mm -hmm. And so not only did we demonstrate to them, Hey, we live by our core values. This is our culture. Like we're not trying to take advantage of you as there. And I'm not pointing fingers, but companies are known to watch the bottom line and Mm -hmm. Hey, if we could let this slide and, add that extra profit, then we'll do it. And so I think it spoke volumes, not only to our, our employees who saw us do the right thing because that hurt, right? Because we had to go to them and say, hey, like this money's in our account. Now we've got to give it back to you. Um, but it also spoke volumes to our customer.
0: Yeah, and and that's the example that everyone gets to see, right? It's And we had, a like you said, we had a decision. For me, it wasn't a decision, but we could have chosen the wrong thing and that would have that would have shown a, an equally horrible demonstration of who we are, mm-hmm. right? Because then all the employees think, well, heck, have they underpaid me? And just, like, have they shorted me an hour or two here and there? Like,
1: Yeah, and moving forward, our customer might always be wondering, are, have they overbilled us? Have we overpaid them? Like, do we need to watch them? Yeah,
0: but, but now then, it's trust all the way around.
1: Yeah, there's never a question of, are we looking out for their best interests.
0: Yeah. So we have to we have to demonstrate from the top. I have to leave that. Owen has to execute on that. Right. If we're not doing the right thing, then it becomes okay for other people to not do the right thing. And that's not what we want to happen. And it's it's difficult. Right. Like we have to hold others accountable. We have to make decisions based on those things. And that's the hard part. Right. The easy part for me is me doing the right thing. I can do that with my eyes closed. Like I just have that integrity and yeah. there's no question asked. The hard part is getting someone else to do it and then disciplining or following up
1: when they're not. Yeah, and that's that's a discussion we have as a leadership team all the time. And, and that's part of the reason we chose the four core values that we did out of the eight that corporate has is we want to be able to drive that down to the performance review level for employees where we're having a conversation on, Hey, you're, you're not abiding by our core values and that's going to impact your future here, either through uh, potential wage increases, or even through uh, remaining employed. But there are some other core values that corporate has the other four that aren't part of what we drive home. And there's a couple of reasons. One is uh, honor. God is one of those core values. And so our, corporate umbrella is a faith-based organization, but we cannot hire and fire and, and review employees based on their belief in, in God. So that's not one that we drive down to our employees. Uh, similarly, there's one that's, uh, demonstrate honesty, integrity, and hard work ethic for us. That's something you have to have to, to be hired on. Like if you don't have honesty, integrity, and hard work ethic, then you may not even be a fit for us. And, and, That's part of what our interview process is designed to uncover is do they have those things? Because that's not something, like you said, that can be taught. Like you either have that or you don't have that.
0: And then you, I mean, you have to demonstrate it from the beginning, right? So when we're out recruiting people or hiring people, if we bring them in and we haphazardly hire them or just push them through because we're desperately in need of people, like what does that show them? going forward, like, oh, it's okay to cut corners. It's okay to take shortcuts as long as we're in a hurry or in need, like that's fine. But we have to set that example up front during the hiring process, during their orientation and their training, right? That's one of the reasons we're so heavy with our managers on, hey, the training has to be right because we're, we're showing them from day one, this is our expectation. People go to work for large companies. We'll, we'll use some of the mega companies out there, like Google, Facebook, Amazon. Right? They they are large companies, and a lot of them have different culture based on what areas they're in. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not specific to the whole company because the culture may be different at a warehouse in Mobile, Alabama, than it is in Fresno, California. So they all have their own kind of culture. But if we get to start the culture here at the office and then push it out to our sites, it's a lot easier for us to control that culture. And then we have managers that have light culture with us and, and they can do that. But then the people that work for us, they fall in love with that culture and they're committed to it, right? Absolutely. They, they see those, the, the core values, the things that we value. Uh, we had an employee who had COVID, and fscre or cra or one of those seven digit acronyms that the government (laughs) likes to put out um covered them for two-thirds of their pay for i think 10 days 14 days he was out for multiple months i think two two and a half months you know i donated personal pto time i know we all
1: a lot of employees donated to it and then and that spoke a lot. I think not only to our employees that we were willing as a leadership team to say, Hey, he's out of his personal paid leave and he's in a tough spot. But what we want to make available is for others who have extra PTO that they're not planning to use or whatever, or just want to help him out. Like you can donate your personal PTO to this other employee. And we had a lot of employees donate.
0: Absolutely. And, and once again, let's you know, as a company, like, well, why can't you just pay them? Well, there's, there's business sense that would go into, Hey, like, yes, for one person, that would be fine. But then if it happens to multiple people, it's just well, not a sustainable model.
1: Well, if you do it for one, you have to be prepared to do it for all.
0: But I, and, and we were, we were prepared to donate for multiple people and, you know, it's brought up ideas. You know, I know the Texas Roadhouse in Milton, they, they contribute to a fund. I think they donate like a dollar an hour or, a paycheck, something like that into this relief fund. And then this relief fund, you can write a letter and say, Hey, I've been through a national disaster. I've been through a death in the family. I've missed this work for this reason. And they have a board that'll approve releasing funds and they'll, they'll reimburse them for time off and things like that. But it's brought up conversations like that because we want to positively impact people, right? Mm -hmm. Our employees, our friends, our family, like it's this, this is a giant family of almost 200 people that we care about, you know, and we want to do the right thing for. And when we demonstrate it, it gets executed on.
1: Yeah. And and that's the, the big part of it is that not only do we have to demonstrate it, but it has to line up with reality, right? Um, there are companies out there and leaders who will voice, Hey, this is our culture, but then they live the opposite of that. Just like our core value of always do what is right. Like we could espouse that and, you could give speeches about how this is important, but then when we had that opportunity to live that out and you had said, you know what, no, we're just going gonna to let this ride and we're going to keep this money and see, then employees would go, well, that's not really our culture then if the leadership isn't living it out.
0: Or, or we can talk about uh, an issue we know about in trust, right? So, hey, uh, I trust our people. We trust our individuals. And then they they need to work. Then you from
1: micromanage them.
0: They need to work from home, and it's like, oh, well, I don't trust you that much. Like, I need you in the office so I can keep my eye on you, and you yeah, mm-hmm. can stay on. And my I need thumb. daily
1: reports, and I need if I'm online, I need to see that you're online. Yes,
0: yeah, right. So, you know, it's it's not about what you say, like John Maxwell said. It's about what you do, right? It's not what's taught; it's what's seen. And so, I think we do a good job of that. I think there's always room to improve, but. But it's important to us, and that's going to continue to be important to us, whether we get to be a $600 million organization or a $2 million organization. Absolutely. So that's our thoughts on culture. We want some feedback from you. So we uh, we haven't done a lot of this, but we want your feedback. So there's two ways to give us your feedback. We want to know what the culture is like at your office, at your business, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a mail courier, whether you're uh, an office aide, whatever your title is, we want to know is your culture what you expected? Do you like it? Is it something that you you feel fulfilled by? And then if not, what keeps you there? Why why are you involved with a company that you're not behind? And there's two ways to get a hold of us, right? There's old fashioned podcast at gmail.com. You can email us directly or the easiest way is on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com forward slash old-fashioned work and whiskey. You can leave a comment for us there. You can private message us there. Um, we've had several people reach out with different bourbon selections that, that we're going to get trying in the next few episodes. We have some people that have made some uh, you know remarks as to our thoughts and agreed or disagreed with us, and that's fine, right? We're not, we're not saying we've got it all right. We're just saying that... This is, this is what we do, this is what we live, and it's important to us. So we just share those ideas. So we'd love for your feedback. We'd love for you to get with us on Facebook or our, our Gmail and just let us know what you are thinking. It's been a pleasure talking with you today about culture. I'm Jason, my friend Olin with us as always,
1: old-fashioned working whiskey. We'll see you next time.